0: Welcome to episode 18 of the Meet the Marketplace podcast. For this episode, we're in Madrid. It's the Temenos Global Sales Kickoff. And I'm here with Christoph Witte. Correct. Good pronunciation? <laughs> very good pronunciation, yes. Thank you very much. Okay, and the, the reason I'm with Christoph is because today we're launching Raisin onto the Temenos Marketplace. Uh it's exciting in itself because, you know, we'll hear more in a second, but it's a great solution for Temenos customers. It's, um, it's going to ena- enable them to offer new uh, deposit services to their customers, and their customers will be able to uh, obtain better interest rates on their savings. So it's, it's very exciting in itself, but it's also exciting because it's the first banking services product that we're launching on the marketplace. And we're, so effectively what we're doing is returning the Temenos marketplace from being a back office app store to being a true front-to-back Marketplace, so it's very exciting. But anyway,
1: before we get to that, uh, Christoph, um, are you enjoying Madrid? Very much so. Yes. Good. Um, I lived here actually for a period of six months prior, um, so it's always great to be back. You speak the language. I used to speak it quite well. Okay. Um, now it's a bit rusty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to speak it. It's like a, <laughs> yeah, like a muscle. You've got to exercise it. And you enjoying the conference? Uh yeah, a lot. I mean, like in the context of our work, we're, we're coming across Temenos all the time. Um, T twenty four in particular. Um, so it's actually a good opportunity to learn a bit more about the the functionalities, about the features, and then also the product announcements have been quite interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's so much bigger. I mean, you know, I've been Temenos for this is now my, I guess my twelfth GSM, and it, you know, first time we were in a single room, I knew everybody, and now it's like 850 people. So it's uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's big, you know, and the announcements are big. And so, anyway, good. I'm pleased you're getting some <laughs> useful
1: context. Um, yeah. So tell us, um, how old is Raisin? When, when did it start out? So Raisin was founded in 2013. And then we actually went live with our first platform in December of that year, um, under the weltsparen.de uh, domain, um, which is the platform dedicated to our German market. Okay. And
0: who's, um, whose vision was it? Who started it? Um, what was the market opportunity
1: that they, that, that they spotted? So Raisin was founded by our three co-founders, um, Thomas, Michael, Frank, and all of them met at McKinsey. Um, okay. During that time at McKinsey, um, they were heavily involved in projects on the financial sector. Um, a lot of those projects actually focused or um, were to do with with retail banks. Um, and there were a couple of things that they noticed during their, uh, their time there. Um, firstly, there's quite significant differences between interest rate levels between different countries. Um, But then even within countries, um, it is very much a matter of of infrastructure and scale. So you have the large banks with an established branch network that are offering relatively low interest rates. And then you have um, smaller, more regional, um, specialized banks that uh, have to offer significantly higher interest rates to be competitive and at the same time also have to deal with higher internal funding costs. Um, to raise retail funding and I mean Raisin is a platform so we have a B2C side and a yep. B2C proposition we have a B2B side and a B2B proposition um, on the B2C side um, even though in Europe um, we are a common market there's still significant barriers um, or obstacles that customers have to deal with in terms of opening um, accounts and placing deposits with banks that for example are, are offering high interest rates abroad um, there's language barriers yeah, um, oftentimes yeah. um, customers actually have to physically appear um, in a branch to identify themselves to open an account which obviously Amazing, 2019 yeah. yeah exactly but then also if, if you put yourself in the shoes of say a Dutch saver um, who comes across a deposit offering in Sweden that he finds really attractive requiring him to actually travel to Sweden um, to then sign documents in a language that he doesn't understand um that just doesn't really. That's not really appealing um, so, so, to the saver.
0: So, so I guess the proposition then, because I was talking about mm-hmm. the proposition was, you know, I'm based in a country. There's there's an interest rate arbitrage between the country mm-hmm. I'm in and and another country within the European Union, and you can bridge the arbitrage, right, to get mm-hmm. to basically to let me get higher interest rates on my on my on my deposit on my savings. But what you're saying is actually it's, the, the value proposition is bigger than that because is it's about arbitrage, but it's also about removing all the friction. Uh, Between in in doing such a transaction, so it's like yeah
1: a, yeah. So we on the one hand we enable banks to engage in interest rate arbitrage. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, we enable banks to diversify their funding channels, expand yeah. their funding reach, and at the same time, um, and this is in part to do with um, interest rate arbitrage, but also in terms of um, providing banks with the necessary infrastructure to enable them to actually lower their cost of funding.
0: Yeah. So in a way, you're kind of boosting. Growth. End. I mean, I don't want to sort of, you know, enter into <laughs> hyperbole, but, like, if a, a well-functioning funding market, mm-hmm. effect, you know, ultimately leads to um, higher economic growth, right? I don't know if you think in yeah. those terms. Anyway, <laughs> let's not get carried away. Definitely, but, but, okay, but it's... Part it's, of the story, at least, yes. It's a platform play, like the marketplace is a platform play, and all platforms have this challenge, like right? the chicken and egg challenge, right, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you can't get savers without having banks on the other end, banks on the other end won't come unless you've got savers. And so, um, you know, this is also something that we've been you know uh, trying to overcome and all platforms have to overcome this problem. How did you solve it at Raisin? Because it's already very successful. You know, I mean, maybe you could share a couple of numbers about uh, how big it is and how many savers you have and so on in partner banks. But how did you how did you get over that initial you know, inertia around, you know, not people not wanting to enter into the market because there was no there were no transactions to begin with.
1: Yeah, um I think there's a number of contributing factors that actually helped us overcome this obstacle. Um firstly as I mentioned our co founders all brought prior experience from yeah. McKinsey. Um and also so, a l- yeah go to McKin- so, you know, working McKinsey's a lot about getting that network, right? I guess. Yeah. That network yeah. and also the experience, yeah. yes. Um And also a lot of management or senior management that joined our company at a very early stage, um, they themselves also brought um, significant experience um, from from previous employments and previous jobs they did in the financial sector. Um, I think that's one part of the story. Um, Another part of the story is that we made a very conscious decision to um, bring in external partners um, with an established track record in their particular field, for example, CITL um, to take over our customer service Um, They're one of the leading players in the the call center space. And then also uh, we decided to not apply for a banking license ourselves, but to instead um, work with servicing banks. So all activities in relation to our business model um, that require a banking license, we actually do not perform ourselves. So we are relying on banks that already have successfully applied for a banking license that already have been active in the space. Um, And I think these three factors... Um, really enabled us to convey trust um, yeah. and um, trust in our ability to actually deliver. Um, I think at the end of the day, it always requires that first bank that actually takes that that final step. And who was that first bank um, that, that, that was, took the risk with you, or you know, or yeah. gave you your break? As well. So that was Fee Bank um, from Bulgaria. Okay, um, but I think if you consider. Um, those three reasons that I just mentioned, I think they really um, enabled us to mitigate the risks from the point of view of a potential prospective partner bank and make those risks very manageable um, from the point of view of, in this case, FeeBank. Fantastic. And um, maybe if you don't mind, could you share a few Mm -hmm. stats, like
0: how many partner banks do you have now? How many savers use the platform? What's the kind of volume of of deposits that you've been placing? Mm
1: So apart from our German-speaking platform or from our country-dedicated platform in Germany, we have launched several more platforms in Austria, in France, in Spain, the Netherlands, as well as the UK. We also operate a pan-European platform under the raisin.com domain, and um, we have entered uh, distribution partnerships with um, several larger uh, players in the financial sector, including BBVA, Santander, um, challenger banks like N26, um, a number of brokers and broker networks um, across Europe. Uh, we currently have around 250 um, employees yeah. uh, in, in Berlin as well as in um, our UK office in Manchester. We have onboarded, I think at this point in time, it's 62 banks onto our platforms. Um, we have brokered around 10 billion euros to these banks. And um, we have around 160,000 customers who have registered on wow. one of our platforms.
0: Okay. So I've, I've seen that you've got a number of, sort of prominent VC backers, uh, Index Ventures, I think was one I saw. Um, how much support have they given you beyond, you know, the obvious, just um, providing you with funding? You know, I guess, you know, helping you to find the right talent and so on.
1: Yeah, I think working with reputable investors like Index Ventures, um, Ribbit, Thrive, but also PayPal, who until fairly recently actually were a fintech startup of sorts yeah. um, themselves, um, really has given us access to quite an extensive network of professionals in the retail banking space. Um, on top of that, um, working with quite experienced investors um, that are used to working with startups um, is actually quite, quite a great opportunity for us because they really stay out of, um, they don't get too involved in our day-to-day operations. But instead, um, keep an eye on the on the bigger picture, yep. um, and and give us the support that we need in order to accelerate our business. So you think you think one of their roles is
0: to constantly prompt you towards you know keep keep you keep you um, honest and and make sure you're focused on the on the long term kind of strategic vision. Yeah, yeah I think so. Great. Um, two more questions, I think, because we, we we need to get on to actually talk about the marketplace. But just <laughs> just there's two more things I want to ask you about sure. Razor before we move on. Um, first one is. Um, so, uh, it's a European marketplace, and you know like one of the things that's, um, that that um, you offer is is essentially deposit protection, right? Or deposit insurance because you're insured because you know there's a EU-wide insurance scheme, right? So you can take advantage of that, and um, so all deposits are insured up to a hundred thousand euros, I think, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's been harmonised. So there are national deposit guarantee schemes, um, but those have been harmonised across the European Union, and they're up to a hundred thousand euros or equivalent, to so eighty-five thousand pounds. Do you, are there any really ambitions to take this globally, to move
0: outside of Europe, um, or is it, do you think there's just mm-hmm. so much business opportunity in
1: Europe that you want to pursue that? Yeah, I think the European market is quite extensive. Yeah. Um, private uh, household savings are around 10 trillion euros. So far, we've brokered around 10 billion euros. So okay. we're really yeah. far from <laughs> from reaching just our Instagram. potential. Yeah. Um, so, I would say never say never, but for the time being uh, we've decided to focus on our core market and that is Europe. Perfect. And then um, I suppose the last question before we
0: start talking about uh, the marketplace uh, is, I suppose just, just lessons learned, because you know, you've, um, we have uh, 61 providers on the marketplace today. Um, it's fair to say that very few of them have got to your scale or had your kind of success. So. Um, for those and any other, you know, startups that listen to this podcast, what,
1: what would you say are some of your most um, important lessons learned? Yeah, I think one of the most important lessons that we've learned is to never compromise on team um, because it's very easy to actually copy good ideas. Um, it is very difficult to copy um, a high performing team. Yeah. And there's different ways in which we're trying to assure um guaranteeing a high involvement um, of our team one for one thing that we've done for example is we have um, a share program that enables our um, our employees to to benefit of the success um, of um, of raisin to directly participate in the success Um, another thing that we've done is we've maintained a really high degree of transparency in terms of communication um, and we're really encouraging um, to not to not be too intimidated by hierarchy, so it's very low hierarchy uh, yeah. environment at Raisin um, to really enable people to 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 bring themselves in, to bring in their experience, um, and to really um, participate um, in, in in driving the business forward. So um, Mark Mark Andreessen always says that I think it's fifty people is is a sort of
0: really critical moment in any company's growth because that's mm-hmm. that's the point at which you can't know everybody personally, and so that kind of. You said I think you're at two fifty, is that we said two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how how was it to making that transition from you know fifty mm-hmm. people that everybody knew to you know suddenly
1: becoming less personal and mm-hmm. how how did you manage that transition? I actually can speak of my own experience because I joined the company when we were already at ninety. Okay. Um, but I've been working at another startup prior to joining Raisin and at both startups um, they actually made this uh, this critical transition into Um, becoming a larger organization or a medium-sized enterprise Um, i think one thing that we that we do is um, whenever a new uh, colleague joins the company um, there's an email going out and he's properly introduced he also gets the opportunity to stand up in front of the team um, introduce himself Um, we have uh, team lunches they're called um, where uh Different people from different teams actually uh, get to go to lunch together um, and talk with one another, share their experiences. Um, we have uh, common rooms where people get together. Um, so I think it's it's very much part, it, it has to be part of the organization, it has to be part of the culture, um, and it also has to be reflected in the facilities um, that you provide um, to enable employees to... Um, to continue to meet one another and to continue to um, to get to know each other and to interact. Cool. Um, so I'm, I'm I, so I'm curious. I'm going to come see your office in
0: Berlin soon. So I'll, uh, yeah, I imagine it's pretty cool. We're looking forward yeah. to welcoming you. Uh, okay. <laughs> so um, moving on to the marketplace. So mm-hmm. you you guys have been very successful up until now. You've got plenty of banks already supporting you. I guess um, mostly on the. Um, um, uh, like mostly receiving deposits, right, so from savers.
1: The um, majority of yeah. banks that we're working with are collecting retail funds. Cle- cle-
0: collecting funds. So, 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 why join the marketplace? It doesn't sound like you've had problems attracting banks to the platform up until now. So, why, why, why join the marketplace?
1: Good question. I think the two reasons really um, that <laughs> motivated us to uh, to join the marketplace um, were. Um, matters of scalability and reliability. So at this point in time, whenever we onboard a bank onto our automated uh, solution or one of our automated solutions, um, we have to start developing a new interface between our platform and the core banking system of the bank from scratch. Um, Now with the Temenos adapter in place, um, we actually can offer banks an out-of-the-box solution that is very easy to implement um, and that enables us to guarantee um, a long-term functioning um at a very high quality um, off the interface. yeah um,
0: yeah, so so what we tell our customers is um, that first of all, we'll find the best providers and then we'll make it super easy for them to to work with those providers to to do the integration and so on. so so we we're we're being true to our value proposition with, with Razor, which is good. Um, how big do you think the potential is? I mean how, so I, I don't know exactly exactly how many terminal customers we have in Europe, but it's you know it's hundreds, right? so yeah. um, do you think? Hundreds will will sign up. I mean, what's what, <laughs> what's the normal you know pushback again? What what what's yeah? What, what are people's misgivings about about joining?
1: Yeah, I mean, our proposition very much aims at any bank that is interested in um, collecting or offering retail deposits um, to individual customers as well as to corporate customers, and um, I hope I get the figures right. I think right now you have around three thousand customers that use your uh, banking software, of which around seven hundred are um are using t24 yeah 100 um, correct perfect <laughs> and uh and i mean our ambition obviously is to reach as many of these banks as possible
0: yeah and okay so do, do the do the elevator pitch why 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 join the why join the platform mm-hmm. if, so if you're if, if for the temenos customers temenos, european customers listening to this
1: go what's the pitch sure um now if you're a bank that is looking to expand or to diversify your funding reach to lower your cost of funding Um, and you're running on Temenos, um, then the Temenos adapter into the Raisin platform obviously offers you um, a very easy and convenient access to um, several European deposit markets, where Raisin will take care of um, customer acquisition, customer onboarding, and uh, customer service. And then we will also provide you with a technical infrastructure together with Temenos um to accept those deposits and also to fulfill your regulatory obligations
0: and then what about the other side so what about if i f- if i feel i've got excess uh, deposits and i want to place some through the platform um do i still own the customer relationship in that in that instance i mean is it do i do i does do i offer um raisin through my my banking platform can i white label it what are the options if for, for the other side of the platform for those yeah. banks that want to place deposits
1: so there are several options really um ranging from a deep white label integration via yep. API um, to a lead-out model um, or a portal, portal that, we, uh, that we can offer you. Um, generally, if you have excess liquidity, you would like to reduce your excess liquidity, ideally monetize on it as well. Um, we have developed different options that enable you to offer third-party products to your own customers, be it in the online banking environment, uh, be it via your branches, uh, be it via a lead-out model. Um, and then you re- you maintain or you retain the customer relationship. Um, the customer will only have access to the deposit, so for example, via your online banking, yep. um, and you can also determine um, what maturities banks can offer um, and uh, what banks you actually want to include in your offer, um, what criteria they need to fulfill um, to make sure that this is very much in line with um, with your value proposition that you aim to deliver to your customer. Okay, great.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, our, our view, I don't know if we're how close we are or how close banks are to this, is that ultimately, you know, we think banks will, banking customers will go onto their primary banks, uh, you know, internet sites or whatever, and there they'll be offered many alternatives, you know. So if you place a deposit with us, we, you know, interest rate is X. If you place it with uh, one of our, if you place it with Raisin, here's a whole set of other options. If you want to do... Um, if you want an unsecured loan, here's what we can offer you. Here's what our partners can offer you. And I just, I guess uh, we, we think it's probably going to head in that direction over yeah. time.
1: I, I think Raisin very much is part of the, the open banking yeah. ecosystem. So, yeah. So um, just, so again, just a practical question for a Terminus customer.
0: So um, how long typically would it have taken to, to if, so if I made a decision that I want to, um, want to join the Raisin platform, Historically, how long would that have taken to, 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 to come to fruition and how much quicker can we do it now since we have this mm-hmm.
1: adapter? Um, so depending on the solution, um, historically speaking, we've always been onboarding a bank in between, between, it took us between six weeks weeks to three months. But then obviously it also very much depends um, on the commitment on the partner bank side. Um, so it can obviously take a lot longer. Um, but our pipeline is set up in such a way um, that we can onboard a bank within, yeah, six weeks maximum three months. Uh, with a Taminos adapter in place, um, we can set uh, we can onboard a bank successfully onto our platform within four weeks, and that is because it takes four weeks to notify your regulator that okay. you wish to offer deposit products in another European country.
0: Perfect. So, so, so from selecting you to going live four weeks now. Yeah, fantastic. Wish we had those uh, sales cycles for Corban. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay, so um, <laughs> moving on. So, uh, so I, I couldn't resist having you here mm-hmm. and asking you some general questions about fintech because I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure you have a very interesting perspective. So let's let's start. So, you, so you're based in um, Prince Lauerberg in in Berlin, mm-hmm. very cool part of Berlin. Um, how is the um, I suppose the startup scene in general in Berlin? Um, how's the fintech scene in Berlin? Uh, how easy is it to find talent in Berlin? So I was gonna stop because that's already
1: three questions, right? So uh, Sure. <laughs> um, I think generally the, the startup environment in Berlin is very vibrant. Um, there's many different reasons contributing to that. Um, I think one is that um, uh, cost is very low um, in terms of um, what companies or startups need to pay for rent, yep. um, office rent. Uh, but then also from a cost of living perspective, um, it is very affordable. Um, it's a very attractive city for young professionals, both from Germany, but also from abroad, because the working language at many of these startups is actually English. Um, so it's definitely possible to move to Berlin to start working at a company without speaking a word of German.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think in terms of... Um, of fintech the fintech space we have a couple of very promising players in berlin among them being for example solaris bank and 26 um n26 which, is in berlin is it yeah, yeah okay they're based out of berlin and they actually um a couple of weeks ago um concluded their most recent funding yeah it's massive 300 million hundred yeah it yeah. was yeah. a lot yeah. of money <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's also catapulted them among um the the fintech unicorns Um so they're actually the first german uh fintech unicorn so because I suppose historically, yeah, I mean,
0: everything that uh, that you said about Berlin is, is what everybody observes, right, which is mm-hmm. unlike London, you have, you know, young people living in the city centre and yeah. these things. And so, um, but I guess it was known as a startup scene, less as a fintech startup scene. So that you're saying mm-hmm. that's changing, the, you know, it's
1: becoming... Um, I think there's a lot yeah. of fintech companies in Berlin. Um, and we also have FinLeap, which is um, okay. uh, an incub- incubator focusing on, um, on building fintech startups. So there's definitely a fintech ecosystem in Berlin yes and um, is is that that fintech ecosystem benefiting from
0: brexit do you think well, that'd be controversial because there's mm-hmm. loads of going on with brexit but you know um, I just think you know that London was an obvious natural home for Fintech because yep. you know that you had you know clearly the bank, huge banking sector, great universities lots of lots of established fintech companies you know or, or you know previous generation Big successful uh, financial services uh, tech companies, but it's just—I suppose—it's harder now, right? Since Mm -hmm. since these these companies imagine they won't have access to the European Union. So, are 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 bank are these companies starting to relocate to Berlin, or do you just think that any new fintech company would probably um, base itself in Berlin versus London for for not just for cost reasons, but also because they still have access to the Mm -hmm. other
1: 27 EU member states. I think my impression is if you're a Fintech startup and you're still in your growth phase, um, it's very difficult to relocate that entire company out of London into yeah. another European city, um, especially if you're at such early um, still in the very early stages. Um, I think if if we're talking about the financial sector more generally, um, I think it's still too early to say whether Berlin will actually benefit off that. And the reason is that, in my experience, many banks have contingency plans in in place. They have not yet fully executed these contingency plans because everyone is still waiting to what exactly Brexit will entail and what exactly yeah. it means. Um, <laughs> still not clear at all, right? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> and what the implications will be, especially um, with regard to the uh, to the to the business model yeah. um, of these various players. Um, should the United Kingdom actually lose access to the common market, there's a very good potential that Berlin will emerge as one of the, the winners um, in terms of um, attracting fintech potential. Uh, at the same time though, speaking from a raisin perspective, we currently have a couple of UK players on our um, continental European platforms. We know of um, several UK banks that are interested in joining one of our continental European, uh, European platforms. And to start raising uh, euro deposits. Yep. Um, and obviously, as you said yourself, it's a very uh, dynamic. It's a very innovative um, banking sector in the UK. So we would very much prefer the United Kingdom to remain part of the common market, to or to at least like remain like very closely integrated with the common yep. market. Yes.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I already asked you one question about. Your expansion plans. So I'm going to ask you um, a, a slightly different one. Uh, so we we observe a clear trend, right? Where where fintech companies um, they unbundle financial services, they spot a niche, um, they start uh, they, they they target a certain demographic with a certain niche product, and then when they enjoy success, they start to rebundle a whole sets of banking services for that same demographic. So we since you know we see it with Revolut. TransferWise, um, Robin Hood, is that the strategy for Raisin? Do you think that now that you've got this successful deposits marketplace, uh, you've got a, a loyal or large loyal uh, customer demographic, that you could start to rebundle a whole set of services under the Raisin umbrella for that same demographic? Is that, is that your intention?
1: Yeah. I mean, our intention really is to become the leading one-stop shop for savings and investments in Europe. Um, And we've already taken a first step in that direction by launching our ETF products uh, last year in cooperation with Vanguard. And um, the results have been quite promising. So um, our ETF product has performed relatively well in comparison to other um, robo-advisors in the space. Um, And we're also able to offer a really competitive... um, We're able to offer our products at a really competitive price point. Um, So that is certainly something that we're looking into rolling out Across um, our other platforms, yeah. and then certainly over time, we're also thinking about adding additional products um to our platform as we go along. So, um, so last question, mm-hmm.
0: uh, it's a it's a it's a general one, and it's a forward looking one. Mm-hmm. What would you say are your big predictions for the fintech sector in two thousand and nineteen? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, I think one of the big trends that we will see materialize um, over the course of, of 2019 um, will certainly be um, that as the fintech sector is maturing, um, they will start um, or partnerships between larger players in the financial sector and fintechs will um, will materialize or will, will actually be concluded. Um, and I very much because see... Because you think what's put banks
0: off till now, isn't it? Cause, cause it's... It's probably fair to say that the banks have become way more open in their mindset, I guess partly because they recognise that's the route to better profitability, but partly also because the regulators pushing them in that direction. But you're saying that what will happen now, I think, is that since the fintech communities matured; they have more confidence to work with you we just said that's
1: true yeah Yeah. i mean let me answer that question from um from a raisin perspective yeah Um, i think banks have always been very intrigued by our business model yeah but it is now that we have a proven track record in in terms of successfully onboarding banks in terms of delivering meaningful volumes in terms of uh, regulatory um, rigidity um, that banks really do feel comfortable um, in with considering us as um as a possible partner okay. um, and we also do see that in terms of the size of banks that we're currently talking to and that are actually seriously considering joining our platform. Um, so this is what I mean with regard to the fintech sector maturing yeah, um, and I think that will very likely translate into um, partnerships being announced between large players um, on the one hand, established large players in the financial sector on the one hand and then on the other hand. Um, Successful fintech um, startups with that track record um, that I just mentioned, in in terms of um, of their business model and in terms of actually getting, um, yeah, getting their business up and running. Um, and along those lines, I very much see the Temenos uh, raise in partnership as part of this development. Um, so I'm I'm very confident um, that this partnership will enable us to attract many more banks to join our platform um, and. I think it's very likely that by the end of the year, um, we will see over 100 banks live on our platform. Fantastic. It seems to me to be an extremely
0: positive uh, way to finish this podcast. So, Christoph, uh, thank you very much for your
1: time. Looking forward to seeing you in Berlin. Perfect. Thanks for your time.